You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So I really felt uh, led to do a series that was going to be centered around uh, the book of Nehemiah. And uh, what you find in, uh, in this book is that it, it's a book that talks about people coming together to accomplish the things of God. And uh, I, 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 the, I titled this series, It. Uh, I've, I've done this series before uh, several years back, and I just really felt the, the leading uh, of God to, to go back in and do it again. But I want you to think about the it's in our lives, okay? Let's think about the enormity of, of that two-letter word, it. Most of us use this word constantly, and we don't realize how important it is. For example, have you ever asked the question, what is it? Anyone ever said that? What is it? Uh, Have you ever been mad at someone and you say, it is not going to work? Or have you ever said, I need it, so I'm going to charge it? (laughs) Have you ever been frustrated with someone And you said something like, they just don't get it. Or better yet, have you ever overcome overcome or accomplished something as a team? And uh, your response as you're you're doing this together is, they really really get it. When when you have a a, a championship caliber uh, team, you say, they get it. They're they're all on board. I really believe, I really believe that God wants us to get it because we're lost until we do. He wants us to get it, the things that are important to God, because we're lost until we do. And he's given us the word of God, he's given us the Bible, uh, so that we can find the it that is important to him. And what you find in life is that there's a lot of it's that we're dealing with. But there are some it's in our life that are important to God. And Nehemiah, he's a perfect example of him finding the it that was important to God. You see, what happened to Nehemiah is that uh, the children of Israel had been exiled from, from their country. They'd been scattered abroad to all the different nations because of their uh, disobedience uh, to God and because of them choosing the wrong it's in their life. And Nehemiah came to the place when he found out, and we're going to look at the text right now, that that he was going to do something about it. And I think that there are people in here in this first service that, that you also are at a place in your life where you wouldn't be here in the house of God, where you want to do something about the it in your life that needs work, that needs help, that needs the hand of God to move upon it so that you can accomplish the things that God wants you to accomplish so that you can have his peace, so that you can fortify your home. You can put the boundaries in your home that need to be placed 
You can put the, the, the boundaries around your relationships that need to be placed. You want God to protect your heart and your mind and your life, and you're going to do something about it. That's exactly what this book of Nehemiah is all about. Um, I'm going to use three points as we, as we look at this, uh, at this the start of chapter one, and these points are going to help us to get it. And the first thing that I want to talk about, I'm going to pray first of all, uh, and then I'll go to the point. Father, thank you for every person that's in this first service. As always, Lord God, we pray your blessing upon them, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name that their hearts will be open, Lord, to you. And their, uh, their ears will be uh, receptive, Lord, to whatever you have for them, Lord. Let them have ears to hear, not what Pastor James is necessarily saying, but what God is speaking through your vessel. And so I pray that as we leave here today that, that you will be glorified, that people will be moving toward the it in their life that needs attention, and that, Lord, that you will be with me to speak confidently, boldly, and very clearly in an understandable way, and that Jesus will be lifted up high through whatever I say. We pray this in his name, and everyone said, amen. Three points that will help us get it. The first point that I want to talk about is that it will always start with us. It will always start, you can even put with me. It starts with us. It starts with me. Here's how the, the book of Nehemiah starts. It says, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me and some other men who just arrived uh, from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So he was concerned about Jerusalem. He was actually the, the, the wine bearer of the king, uh, Artaxerxes, and uh, he had a lot of prominence to be there. We'll talk a little bit about, about that position that he held. Verse 3, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Nehemiah took a step back and it says, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. I think the first thing that we need to realize is it will always start with us. Whether it is bad or whether it is good or honorable, how we end up in, uh, in the mess that we're in, it started someplace. I want you to think about this. Your it in your life started someplace. For the people of Israel, the, the children of Israel, the it started when they began to walk away from the things of God. And God had spoken to them. He said, if you walk with me, if you walk according to my decrees, if you walk according to the, the, the laws, the boundaries that I've placed for you, it will go well with you. But if you don't, I will allow things to happen and you will be spread abroad. So the it for the Israelites began when they began to walk independently of God. And they began to walk outside of God. And our it that we're dealing with, whether it's 
honorable in your walking with God, you identify that it, or whether it's it that you have not been walking with God and you identify with what's happened as well. It always has a starting place. And you notice how Nehemiah identified the it when he asked his brother about his countrymen because he had a heart for them. And how many of you in here do you check on people that you love? How many of you in here do you ask questions about the people that you haven't seen for a while? Nehemiah said, uh, 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 you know, they, they, they said to me, things are not going well. In your outline, I would, understand, I would underline that. Things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. When you, when you hear that about someone that you love, it, it brings distress. It brings concern. He said, they're in great trouble and they're in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. But it did something to Nehemiah. When he, when he heard how, how troubled they were, the, the things that they were going through, it did something to him. It, it led him in a call to action. It led him to do something about it. And what did he do? The first thing that he did, he says, when I heard this, I sat down and I wept because it stirred my heart. In fact, for days I mourned and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. And how many of you know that when you are distressed and when you're, when you're torn in your heart and you begin to, to come to, before God, that God will do something about it because he cares about every tear that we ever shed. He cares about all the trouble that people are going through, but someone has to do something about it. That it in your life, someone has to do something about it. Nehemiah could have done nothing about it or he could say, God, what can I do about what's going on? That's a very important question for you. With whatever is going on around you, you can sit back and do nothing about it. Or you can move out in faith and let the God of the universe and the God of creation begin to move you to do something about it. One of the things that we must conclude for positive change in our lives is it starts with us. God always will speak to us. In fact, you're in here today and God's speaking to some of your hearts. He speaks to us through a message. He'll speak to us through a trusted friend. He'll even speak to us through a donkey if he can't get someone there. And he does it so we can get it. But what you need to realize is getting it always starts with me. In fact, people can tell you about it until they are red in the face. They, in fact, maybe some people have been telling you about this it in your life. But it starts with you. It starts with me. Doesn't matter what people tell me. It, it starts with me. You know, I went to the doctor for a wellness check, and it doesn't matter what the doctor says. You know, he said, we're going to give you six more weeks. Pastor, we're going to give you six more weeks because your cholesterol was high. We're going to give you six more weeks, and we want you to do something about it. Doesn't matter what the doctor says. I have to do something in my own 
strengths. I got to push the plate away, at least the things on that plate that might be harmful for me. And so I got to consider, do I want it, the pill, or do I want to not have to take anything with cholesterol for cholesterol? So it always starts with us. You know, one of the most convicting statements was written by James, the brother of Jesus, who actually was doubtful of Jesus during most of his earthly ministry. His brothers did not believe that he was the Messiah. And yet when, when, when Jesus came to James and he restored him after he uh, rose from the dead, James's life was changed completely and his faith was changed completely. He became a leader of the church. He became a faithful disciple of Jesus. And he wrote this in the book of James and it said this. He says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has, say it with me, has it? For instance, you, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half starved and you say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? And I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good. You take care of the faith department. I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Uh, faith and works, works and faith, it, they fit together hand in glove. You see, when we identify your it, you just don't pray about it. You do something about it. It'll change, it'll change uh, uh, your, your talking into action. And I thought about, you know, what God has done in our it's as, as a church. You know, God has done some pretty amazing things. And, and we've always believed in moving forward with the things of God. And, uh, you know, three years ago, we were talking about the possibility of going to uh, the Copper Corridor and planting uh, a church there. That was our it at the moment, and that it was a lot bigger than us. And we went there, and for two years, we, we served the people there in the Copper Basin, and, and we had like hundreds, uh, you know, at least 100 people that would rotate coming through the doors of the church, and there were times that we'd preach to 25 people, there'd be times we'd preach to 50, and there'd be times we'd preach to 100. But that was our it. And it was more than just words saying we're concerned about the people in our area. It was doing something about it and the needs of the people. On the third year, we, uh, we were there and there were some leaders that were coming from another church that would come to the, they called it the 5, the 5 p.m. service there in the Copper Basin area. And they, uh, they loved what, what they were what they were. Seen what they loved, what what God was doing, but they had, they were faithful to their to their home church there in in Kearney, and um, a lot of you know this, but some of you don't know this story. But as we this process went on, they lost their pastor of 20 years there in Kearney, and he went on to uh, teach at a Bible college. He became a professor at a Bible college and left them without a pastor, and so they had this. 
uh, search that was going on for a pastor, and they couldn't find anybody because it's very difficult to get young people to go into a rural community to go lead a church. And so one time we were talking, me and this leader, and he says, he says uh, man, we, you know, we, haven't had any, uh, we haven't had any luck in, in, in identifying a pastor. And I said, well, why don't we just merge as a church? I was kidding, by the way. And, and the, the you know, long story short, he said, that's a great idea. And we began to pray, and we have, since uh, that time, uh, become, uh, they've become Living Word Chapel Kearney. Now, the awesome thing about it is that we're seeing people come to faith every single Sunday. They're coming to Jesus. Because, yeah, when you do something about it, when you do something about it, instead of just praying about it or talking about it, God will move. That's exactly what Nehemiah was doing. And so as we identify uh, whatever your it is in your life, you need to know that it only will be changed when you do something about it because it starts with us. Amen? The second point is this. If, if your it is important to God, it should be important to us as well. Do you notice how Nehemiah had a conviction of heart that led him to pray the following? And, and here, there, there's someone in here that, that you've been working at it and, and you've been doing these things for God. You need to know that God is with you. He's not going to leave you. He's faithful. We sang the song, uh, uh, you move the mountains, we'll see you do it again. He will move the mountains in your life that are difficult for you. Every time that we go through something, you'll see the faithfulness of God. But you need to know that there will always be challenges in life. Amen? There will always be difficulties in life, but the God that we serve is bigger than any difficulty that we'll face. And, and this caused Nehemiah to... to to, it convicted his heart, and it led him to pray the following. And I think we can use this as a, as a model for us. He said, then I said, O Lord, God of heaven. In other words, God's domain is not here in the earth. He's over everything. O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, with those that seek him, with those that say, Lord God, I will submit myself to your ways. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. So this gives us a very important way or model for us to pray. Night and day. It doesn't mean that you have to pray constantly. It just means that, Lord, that you go before the Lord at whatever time during the day and you say, Lord, I need you in my life. He said, night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even, by, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by, by not obeying the commands, the decrees, and the regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. You know, Nehemiah admitted that his family and he himself had missed the mark. And one of the greatest things for us to, to, to accomplish the it in our lives is that we have to confess to God that we've missed it that we've fallen short, that we need his help in whatever we're going through. And so he prayed and he submitted himself to God's plan for his life. In other words, the it in Nehemiah's life submitted itself 
to the it of God's will. And you, beloved, and I will get it when the it in your life will submit itself to the it of God's will. When the it that is important to God becomes important to us, great things happen. And we find that it, we find the it in your life that is important to God in the word of God. As you, as you read the word, it, it's amazing. We had our, our small group this past week, and there's a, a young couple that, uh, that started coming last year. Uh, she was an agnostic. Her husband was an atheist. Uh, he had served in Afghanistan, and she came to the service, not with her husband. She came with her mother-in-law Easter of last year for the first time ever that she walked in through the doors. She sat on that right side, and, and on Easter, I, I, you know, God allowed for me to, to preach a message, and, and that message stirred her heart. She cried about through the second half of that message. She only came so that her kids would have something to do for Easter. And as she cried there and, and, and the Lord stirred her heart, she raised her hand to receive Jesus as her Savior. She said, I had never felt what I felt that, that day. And, and she kept coming back week after week after week. Three weeks after that, her husband came with her. Her husband was atheist. Progressively, they began to, to walk with God. And, and we went through uh, 40 days through the New Testament. Remember that? We went through the New Testament. They read what the Word of God has to say, and it completely transformed their lives. This past week, in our small group, they took his father for the first time. And he walked in through the doors to the small group, and as he sat there with us in our small group, and our small group is a very loving, just, just, just a great bunch of, uh, of people, and, and as, as he sat there, uh, he had told his, his son, I, I'm, I don't want to say anything. I'm, I'm really, uh, you know, this is, I don't even know if I want to go, but there's something missing in my life. And as he sat there, he began to, to talk, which he said he wasn't going to do, and he began to break down, and God began to minister to him. And he said this, which is, which is amazing. He said, I saw the change in my son's life, and I saw the change in their marriage. And my son told me, he said, he gave me, he gave me his Bible and he said, I want you to read this for 40 days and it'll change your life. We find the it that is important to God right here in the word of God. Amen. And so as we begin to, to recognize that it, it just, it just changes, it changes everything around us, Right. Uh, someone asked Jesus, what is the most important thing for us to know? What is the most important thing uh, as far as God's perspective? And, and this is what he said. He said, it, it all has to do with worship, and it all has to do with love. And so Jesus said in, in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. You love your neighbor with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. You love them like you want to be loved. It's a lot easier to love God 
than to love our neighbor. Because your neighbor, I mean, God doesn't park in, the, in your parking spots. Right? God, God doesn't play loud music after 9 o'clock. You know, God, God doesn't come over, you know, and ask for tortillas. But if we don't love our neighbor, doesn't it tell us that we're not loving God? The second is like it. You know, we, we, we love God and we love people. See, you'll never go wrong if your life is centered on loving God and loving people. And here, I want someone to know this because someone needs to hear this. Loving your family isn't loving people. We get stuck with our families, right? We get, don't we? And some of you guys are saying, well, I don't even love my family, Pastor. You need to know that. <laughs> but we do everything we can to love our family, you know? We do whatever. But when you can get past that and love everyone around us, it changes everything. You'll never go wrong. Here's point number three. You're it. Your it will never be overcome or accomplished without God. Your broken relationships that you're having, that might be your it. It will never be accomplished without the help of God. Your, your, your relationship with your children or the, the difficulty you're having with your young adults, it will never get accomplished without the house of God. Without the help of God, I mean. Your work situation will never get accomplished. You'll never be able to accomplish it without God. King Solomon said this, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders, they labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards that stand watch, they do it in vain. You can build a beautiful building, but unless God is in it, it's just a building. My wife and I went and had dinner with a, with a wonderful family this past week, and, and thank you for those of you that invite us for dinner. Um, you know, I need to eat. My ribs are popping out. But we had a wonderful, wonderful dinner, <clears throat> and, uh, and after, after dinner, we, uh, uh, we prayed a blessing over their home. And this morning they said, man, things just felt different. Our house, it just felt better. And here's what I want for all of us to know is that when God is in our house, when his presence is in our home, good things happen. Someone else uh, that comes to second service, they said to me last week, uh, Pastor, we're building a home, and we want for you to come and pray over our home. And I said, that's awesome. I said, I would love to do that. Um, I've had people have me pray over their plans. They've, they've called me, people that don't even come to the church. Pastor, will you come over to our house? We're going to build a house. Will you pray over our plans? Definitely, I'll do that. I said, but one of the greatest things is not only that the pastor goes and prays over your house, but that you Pray over your house. 
You see, unless the Lord builds the house, we that labor will labor in vain. Unless Jesus dwells in this place, all we're doing is taking up space sitting down right here. Amen? But if Jesus dwells here through the power of the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit works in our hearts, then God's people are here. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Nehemiah prayed this. He says, please grant me success today. How many of you pray that every, every day for your life? Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. First of all, people didn't approach the king to say anything if they were not asked by him. And now he's going to go and ask the king for, for favor? He says, God, I want for you to be the part of it. And he says, put it, I love it, put it into his heart to be kind to me. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh, Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah knew that God was a source of every accomplishment that meant anything in life, that it was because of God Almighty. God would be the source of, of his triumph, and God is the source of your triumph. Whatever it you're facing today, God is the source of you overcoming it. God is the source of you getting victory through Jesus Christ. See, my life and your life has a God-directed destiny. And it will not be accomplished unless you start to follow God's directives. It will never be accomplished without God. Never. Hear me now. You're here today because God wants you to know that with Him, you can do greater things than you could ever imagine. You can have greater peace than you could ever imagine. Whatever setbacks we have, whatever difficulties we have, we can trust that God is bigger than that. Paul said this in Philippians. He said this. He said, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Isn't that amazing? That Christ who began his work within you, he's going to bring it to fruition. He's going to accomplish it. And he's going to make it happen before Jesus comes back. So we need action steps, right? We need to take, I, I preach this sermon, and, and it's not just words. It's, it's, it's not just prayer. It's actually action. 
Here's your three action steps that I want for you guys to take away from here, okay? The first one is recognize the God-inspired conviction in your heart. Each one of us have been convicted in some it in our lives. Uh, Recognize that God-inspired conviction in your heart and allow him to move you out of your comfort zone so that you can accomplish or overcome that it in your life. If it's bigger than you, it's not bigger than God. Number two, begin to prioritize the it in your life and start to work on the ones that are important to God. And the others will fall into place, guaranteed. Do not get overwhelmed and try to do all these different things. The one that God has placed in your heart and your mind today, begin to work toward it with the help of God and everything else will fall into place. God is going to give you his direction and his guidance. And number three, let your attitude be fixed on the fact that you're not going to accomplish it on your own. Quit trying to do it on your own. Quit trying to do it in your own philosophy. Quit trying to do it in your own habits. God has your back. God is with you if you invite him. And the last thing is you can do it in Jesus' name. You can do it in Jesus' name. And I can't wait to hear all of the testimonies, all of the great things that God is going to do in your life because of you recognizing that it that needs to be taken care of. Can we just bow our heads right now and just let God begin to do some work in our hearts? I don't know what that it is in your life, but you and God know. I don't know how big that it is that's in your life, but it's not bigger than Jesus. I think God wants for someone to know that it doesn't have to overwhelm you when you have him in your life. It doesn't have to take up your whole, your whole day in your thinking and in your heart and in your anxiety because God wants to give you his peace. Maybe your it is there because you haven't had this relationship with Jesus. And God's calling you to a relationship with him. You know, God doesn't want anyone to be religious. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants for you to receive his love and his grace. And it's an abundance. It's a love that's in abundance that fills our hearts and our minds and it fills our homes. So I just really, really believe, I'm just convicted that there's someone here today that you've never invited Jesus to be a part of your life. You've never really said, Lord, I need you. I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. So I want to invite you today to to join me in a prayer. 
a prayer where you open up your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. And you'll never, ever be the same. Because God will come and dwell with you. He'll come and make his life with you and make your life better because of it. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd like for you to, to join me in this prayer. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's just, God, I'm needy of you. As Nehemiah said, I'm a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. And I'm tired of trying to live my life without you. So today, I'm making the choice to follow Jesus Christ. Lord, I admit that I'm imperfect. And I fall so short in so many ways. But I thank you for loving me despite my many failures and my mistakes. Today, Lord, I, I just right now I just confess that Jesus died for all of my all of my mistakes, all of my mishaps, all of my sins on the cross at Calvary. But today I trust and I believe that He rose from the dead on the third day, offering me complete forgiveness and a new start. And so, Lord, I open up my heart and I speak with my mouth my necessity for Jesus. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your complete restoration. And I choose to follow Jesus Christ in the fellowship of his people. Lord, as uh, Nehemiah went to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem, Lord God, you came to restore my heart. You came to restore my soul. So, Lord, I just, just thank you for that. And I just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, everyone, just keep... This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.